What's going on, folks? You've stumbled across the Kingdom Driven Daily Podcast. I'm Isaac. I'm joined here with a new friend of mine, Christina. She is a chef. She's an international model. She's a dog rescuer. And above all else, she's a Jesus lover. Uh, Christina, why don't you say a quick hello? Hi, everyone. What's up, Isaac? (laughs) What's going on? So Christina is actually residing in Toronto. Uh, So am I. Uh, GTA area. For those of you who are here, you'll know what the heck that is. If you're not, you probably got no idea, but we'll just call it Toronto. So you'll understand that. Um, But I just want to hop into this. I've got some questions prepared for her and whether we get to the mall or not, we're just going to kind of let the Lord lead this conversation and, and take it where he wishes. So first of all, Christina, who has God called you to lead right now at this point in your life? How, how old are you again? I am Schmerdy something. Okay. So at Schmerdy something, who, <laughs> who, who's the demographic that God's brought into your life? Or do you have a specific one that you feel like he's called you to lead this group of people right now? Is it broad? Do you have an idea of that? Yeah, I love your question. It's so, it's so in season to what is actually happening in my life and who God has called me to disciple. Um, I didn't realize that this is this was happening until someone brought it up to me. Uh, I was sitting in the front row of service the other day, and I noticed that the women, the girls from 16 to my age, were all sitting with me in the front row. And I realized that this is literally uh, a look at at who God has called me to to love on. It was an image of what was happening. I I looked to my left and to my right and I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is exactly what's for me. And I was born for such a time as this. Like I had one of those moments and it's funny you asked me this question. Um, so as we're going to talk about it further, you know, I've been modeling since I was 13 years old, modeling internationally, traveling, and didn't discover the goodness of Jesus until my late teens. And it took me another 10, 12 years to finally have a really, have a, have a revelation of God's love for me. So I, I've been on this incredible journey of understanding my value and my worth. And I think, especially nowadays, girls and women have such an issue with this in our social media saturated world. Girls often wonder who they are and their purpose. And because I've worked things out, still working things out, I get to now, God's like, now you're ready. Now I can promote you. Now is your time. And as I pour into their lives, I'm walking through my personal healing process. So yeah, I I know that I'm called, amongst other things, but specifically in the season, girls and women. For sure. And, And you had brought up modeling. I didn't realize you had started modeling so young. So at 13 years old... What is it that, like, is that a pretty normal age for, for people to get into modeling? Like, were, at that point, are you 
are you kind of pushed to do it by your parents? Is that something that you had a personal passion for? Like, what was the deal there? Yeah, good question. Uh, no, it is extremely young to start at that age. And when I started, I was one of the youngest. Definitely, definitely not something that I was interested in. I was very much all about academics, good grades, wanted to be a zoologist or a lawyer growing up, had Ivy League schools in mind. And that's all that my life revolved around was academics and getting good grades. Like 85% was a fail for me. <laughs> fail. And uh, I Holy. had... You wouldn't yeah. want to see my report card growing up. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I, I had OCD issues. Let's just put it that way. Okay, fair enough. Um, but my father was an awesome man and he just wanted the best for me. So he really put me in skating and swimming and tennis and this and that and the other, like trying to help me find whatever I was good at and just did it because I was told type of thing. And then of course, one day he came home with the genius idea to put me in modeling school because I was always the tallest one. I was that girl. <laughs> That's the requirement, eh? Tall. Yes, it helps. Gotcha. So, I was that person in, you know, the class pictures, the back row, middle, that was me. Okay. Um, so someone approached my dad at the CNE, nonetheless, when we were there, and he said, oh, you should uh, sign up your daughter for modeling school. I was just like, what? I, I wasn't a girly at all. I didn't even own a pair of heels. <laughs> like what? Like did not care. Could care less what I looked like. And next thing you know, on Sundays, not going to church, but on Sundays, I went to modeling school. Hated every moment. They taught you how to walk, how to put on makeup. My least favorite, because I was so shy, was acting class. And yeah, couldn't stand it. Literally was having anxiety attacks before, before every Sunday session. And Fast forward, what, seven, eight months later, I graduate. The agent saw potential in me. She saw what I couldn't see. And they sponsored me to go to this really lucrative modeling and acting competition in New York, where the likes of Ashton Kutcher and Jessica Biel apparently were discovered. Anyway, went to this competition. And it was like American Idol meets beauty pageant all in one over a okay. weekend, right? So you're, you're doing all these competitions, like the runway competition and then the, the swimwear and the photography. Anyway, I didn't win. Overall, I got fourth or third runner up, balled my face off. Again, perfectionist. I didn't win. My goal was to win. <laughs> Fair win. enough though. <laughs> right? Yeah. I didn't win, but I really won. In the end, I won. Uh, all the agencies from around the world, like almost every legit agency was there represented. And on the last day, you would have what they call callbacks, where you could see the agents personally and you get placed around the world, you know, in these major cities. And I was the one model with the most callbacks. Every wow. agent from all around the globe wanted to see me and wanted to rep me. So essentially I won. Next thing you know, 13, 14, I'm on a plane and I'm in Spain. And 
that's the end of it. I was, yeah, I took my homework with me. What, like you moved there? I, I, I was on assignment. I was there for, um, for exposure. Uh, So we moved to Europe for what, four months or so. So I was in Spain and next thing you know, I did show week. So you do London, Paris, Milan, New York. And that became my life. Twice a year, I would do fashion show weeks. And I walked for everyone from Chanel to Armani and everyone in between, you name it. Wow. And, and sorry, how old would you have been at this time when you moved to Spain? 13, 14. That's insanity. But I didn't stay in Spain. You go, you, you go from city to city to city and you just travel nonstop. And in between, I'd come home to Toronto, you know, go to school for a bit, get my homework, pack again, ship off again. So what was that like being in school and, and being on the road? Like, I can't imagine it was easy to maintain like a core group of friends that way. Yeah, it was extremely difficult. My friends that I was close to in elementary, um, you know, we kind of all went our separate ways in high school and I tried my best to maintain those friendships. Um, but I couldn't because I was too busy trying to make new friends in new cities. You were away all the time. I was away all the time. And, and I wasn't, I wasn't one of those people who wrote postcards and sent them and, you know, kept in touch and, and intentionally had a best friend that I would call and check up on and, tell you know have a bestie i was i wasn't good at that i was the gram the gram wasn't around back then eh no the gram wasn't around the gram (laughs) smartphones weren't around dude (laughs) that's strange to think about i had to i had to call from pay phones do you know oh that's so weird (laughs) pay phones yeah so it was it was pretty lonely i um i would make friends superficially and I moved to a different city and do it over and over and over and over. So I made friends all around the world, but I didn't make deep, intimate friendships. And it was lonely, for sure. And so at the beginning of this interview, you had, you had mentioned that you came to the Lord in, in your mid-teens. Was that it? Late teens. Late teens. And so was this all happening on the road? Like, was God kind of revealing himself to you in ways that, that you could see and understand? Like, what was this? what were the steps leading up to you deciding, okay, I'm a model. I've got this career going. I've got my own goals, but all of a sudden, like I also have a a God in my life that I want to serve and do all this for Like, what were the steps that led up to that point? Yeah. So I knew, I knew my parents were Christian because I was told we're Christian. But aside from that, I knew nothing else. We didn't go to church. I didn't, I didn't read the Bible. No one kind of discipled me. And uh, I think, not I think, I know now um, that it was my grandma. My grandma, so my dad's mom, Hmm. would pray for us. And I learned recently, she's passed away. I learned recently that she used to speak in tongues. Okay. She lived with my my aunt, so my two cousins on my dad's side. Um, and I, I didn't have a leading moment. This, this is how it happened. I was home 
one summer and I woke up one day and I thought, hey, I'm interested in going to church. Where does my family go to church? Okay, they go to this Pentecostal church. Let's check it out. Meanwhile, I deep down inside, I had no idea. I was yearning for community, hmm. right? For a relationship. So well, you've been on the road, right? You probably, yeah. Of course, that's something within all of us. I feel like if if you're not exposed to it, you deep down know that's something we you need. Right. Yes, we're because we're made for that, right? Yeah. Um, and I started going to this church. I found youth group. Didn't even know there was such a thing. <laughs> but classic. I, I was like, this is so cool, and I and I did what. I felt like I was in high school. I found a click. I found mm-hmm. a click. I kept on showing up. I hung out with these people and still no one discipled me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I was hearing the word of God and I gave my life to Jesus then, but it was definitely a journey because my my main concern was literally to have fun and to make friends and these mm-hmm. people became my friends. And and my constant for once in life. Yeah, so for sure. That's how my churching journey began. <laughs> I, uh, so there was never like a youth leader that you remember, like a pastor that like took you under their wing. Like I'm imagining like back in the, the day when I went to youth group when I was like 16 or 15, uh, I can only imagine like, this like model girl showing up at youth group and like, she's just been traveling the world all the time. Like the stuff you were going through back then was definitely, and and the things you were learning and the things that you were dealing with are not the average things that the, the 15, 16 year olds are dealing with back then. Right. Like, was that something that other kids that age, like kind of looked at you even at youth group and were like, Oh, like Christina's, very different and and she's dealing with different things than us was that ever acknowledged or was it like uh you just kind of fit in pretty well and to that degree like did you have that youth leader or somebody that kind of identified that different path you were on and and kind of led you accordingly to that as opposed to the average 15 16 year old yeah uh oh wow I think what I was trying to do was dumb down all my experiences and just fit in. So while my friends were always amazed of what I was up to, you know, the norm for me was hanging out with Puff Daddy and Jay-Z. That was my norm. No way. How old were you? I don't know. 14, 15, 16. Like that was my norm. Hanging with Jay-Z. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was my norm. I would hang out with Puff Daddy and <laughs> and Prince and whoever what? else. Whatever, like whatever celebrity you can think of, that was my norm. That was my daily. So what's so interesting about this to <laughs> me, like what you just said was I was trying to dumb down my experiences to fit in. Yeah. And think about how many of us, I don't care how old you are, are trying to amplify and over-exaggerate our experiences to uh not fit in but to be looked up to from from this world's perspective they would think that uh by over exaggerating their experiences somehow people are going to look up to me for that and here's somebody who was there at a very early age and and got a taste of that and all of a sudden you're trying to dumb it down to fit in like that that's some pretty good perspective 
Yes, I wanted to be just like everyone else, like my peers of that age. I wanted to go to prom. I never went to prom. I, you know, I missed doing homework like a normal kid. <laughs> you hang out with your girls, you do homework. I know it sounds crazy because you're like, oh, well, you travel. Well, yeah, that last one about homework sounded ridiculous. That was a little crazy. <laughs> oh, come on. It's a little fun. <laughs> I like learning. But anyhow, uh, after going to that church for about two, three years, I finally met my current pastor. And when I met him, it was at a camp where I was a counselor. And he was wearing a Lakers jersey and high tops. And I thought, this guy's cool. <laughs> he invited me to his little church in Pickering. And it was just young people on fire for God. Mm. I've never seen anything like it. it we were in this beautiful historical church, an Anglican church with a live band and kids and some adults jumping up and down during worship, dancing, singing their face off on a Saturday. We weren't Sabbath. We were there on a Saturday because we had to rent out the church because it was <laughs> on a Sunday. And I, my whole life became these people like church. I was at church all day Saturday. Then on Monday, we had this thing called Tehillah which was worship from 7 to 9 p.m. That's all you did was worship. Tequi tequila? No. Tequila. Oh, tequila. The praise in Hebrew. Gotcha. Tequila. You're hilarious. That wasn't even that funny. <laughs> I take but, that back. Okay. Whoever's it, listening to this my, probably isn't laughing right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to answer your question, no, um, there wasn't a specific leader that could, that could really relate to me. How can you relate to that? But yeah. again, I tried, I tried to relate to everybody else. I was, I was trying, so interesting. Yeah. I was trying to look at life through a normal perspective. Meanwhile, I was wrestling all, with all these things that no one that I knew in the church ever experienced so i literally kept it to myself i didn't know how to express that i didn't know how to share all the crazy very adult things that i went through um except until i started developing a really good friendship with my pastor's parents specifically okay. his father who is now one of my closest friends and my spiritual dad but that took a long time. It's funny you asked me that question. I've never even thought about that. I never thought that, no, I, I couldn't. I didn't have peer-to-peer. -peer. I, I didn't know what that was. I was always the youngest one, and my friends were always older. Hmm. So having to come back and relate to people my age, like, it was hard for me. I couldn't. Like, I couldn't take advice from people my age because that was never my life. Gotcha. I lived so much life between the ages of 13 to 20. I lived, I've lived enough for like, you know, 10 people. I've seen so much. I, I saw cocaine when I was 13. Jeez. I, I witnessed things. I did things. I experienced things that most people don't ever experience in their lifetime. How, how did that, uh, so from what i'm hearing like your dad initially was the one that 
that got you going in modeling and that type of thing. And I got to try to, to think from a parent's perspective, like when you push your kid into something like that and you see it working out and, and you're a believer yourself, like I know you mentioned your parents are Christians and that type of thing. Like, how does that uh, affect the relationship between you and your parents when all of a sudden, like your, your kid and the person that you're supposed to be uh, nurturing and, and the Lord's working through you to help grow them and, and, even like things like general discipline when your kid is like not the average, like 14, 15 year old, like what you're coming back from Spain and what are they going to ground you if you uh, don't clean your room? Like that, that's a pretty ridiculous thing to think about. You know what I mean? So like I noticed that uh, like even instead of the personal relationship that you have with your pastor, you got closer with his parents and and this is what kind of sparked my interest in this is like, did that ever affect your own relationship with your parents? And, and that's interesting that um, like your dad's actually the one that got you going in that. Like, do you think there was ever a level of, of regret on his behalf? Like, Holy smokes. My 13 year old daughter is like, is seeing cocaine right now and, and, and experiencing these things that like, I would never want her to be a part of. Do you, do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. So here's the thing. I did not have a vulnerable, intimate relationship with either of my parents. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, people can't see me, but I'm Asian. So in a lot of the Asian families, if it's awkward, if it's yucky, if it's weird, you don't talk about it. So you go about life. Everybody does their work. You do it well. You uh, you eat a lot <laughs> and, and you do this over and over. Um, I, I've never had a sit down talk about the birds and the bees. I've never had a, so what is going on with you personally kind of talk. I've never really had that. My dad and mom were middle-class people busy working. My dad was an engineer and he, you know, got laid off several times. We had a lot of family challenges. My mom was uh, a personal support worker, a nurse, and my parents never traveled with me because they had to work. My mom worked seven days a week for 20 years. Wow. Parents were busy trying to survive. And when I would come home, uh, there were stints where I would literally not leave my room. I, I, I would lock myself in my, my room for weeks on end. I think I I don't know what was going on until I realized later on I was dealing with severe depression. Hmm. Um, you know, some things that I experienced and some sin that I myself put, you know, dabbled in, I didn't realize would affect me. Like I had no, I was just literally going through the motions. So after traveling, coming home in in my so-called safe space, I literally would not leave my room. And my parents didn't address this. I think they thought maybe she's tired, maybe she needs a break. I don't know what was going through their mind, but we didn't have that intimacy where they would bust in my door and be like, you need to talk to us. I never had that. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not a parent, so I don't understand understand what it's like to be in those shoes, let alone a normal parent-child relationship. But uh, 
Yeah, that's interesting, eh? Like, so when you were going through that time of depression, was it when you found Christ that that started to to be alleviated, or uh, was that something that kind of was underlying and kind of ongoing and until a certain point? What was the deal with that? Yes. So as I got closer to God, I tried to work these things out and tried to talk it out with some accountability partners, wise counsel. Um, But it kept on coming back. So year after year after year, I would struggle with this and I would escape from the world. And it is not until I'd say a good, I don't know, three years ago that I realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually not set free from this and I really Mm. need to figure this out because it's been going on way too long and really what it was is I I think I was burying things so deep that I didn't even realize they were still there um so yeah my my walk with God definitely saved my life uh my 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 old way of living of having one foot in the world and one foot in the church i would say put a a definite stop on my freedom and i was delusional i was delusional to think i could still live the way i was living and and be in the church and be a part of the body and and live for Christ. It took me a long time to figure that out. So, so, uh, yeah, I think I, I would, I would say now confidently that I'm absolutely free from this, but it took more than, yeah, more than 12, 13 years to get here. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's something that quite a few people who are listening can definitely relate to. And I think uh, one thing I've been noticing more and more lately that needs to be made clear is uh, just because we serve such a great God and such a loving God does not mean that there's not an enemy in this world trying to hunt us down and, and make us forget about that. Right. And I think that there's a lot of people that assume, Oh, as soon as I have a relationship with Christ, all this darkness in my life is going to disappear and uh, my old way of thinking is going to disappear and uh, I'm not going to be exposed to the same things that I was. I'm not going to see them from the same lens. And uh, that's something I was just talking to a guy, Ben Corson, that was on here a few podcasts ago. He just wrote a book um, just about anxiety and like he, this guy grew up as a pastor's kid. Like, he uh he knew the lord he always had a relationship with him and it was one thing that uh that he's just been reflecting on lately is just because we're headed towards the goal and just because we're going through this process of sanctification and and becoming like christ does not mean uh that we're going to become perfect overnight and that our struggles are going to be alleviated overnight and i think that you're such evidence of that it takes a lot of faith to continue to plow through those times and remain faithful to to the Lord and, and your God. So that's really cool. 
thanks for thanks for going in and sharing that yeah amen to that um you know that song one day in your courts is a better is better than a thousand years elsewhere mm-hmm. yeah that is, if i think back on my life one day knowing god one day being in his grace is better than any parties that i've went to <laughs> better than chilling with puff daddy are you sure <laughs> Uh, and Jay Z, that we he was addressed as P Diddy back then. Oh, P Diddy, Diddy, P Diddy. True. You know that's funny. How if if you don't mind me asking, like how'd that come up? Because I'm sure as soon as you said that, people's ears sparked. Like what? She hung out with Jay Z. How 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 does that come up? Yeah, how'd that come up? And and what was he like in person? So when you live in New York or Paris or Milan, you party. You know, the models, we're girls, we get things for free. We go to parties, we get invited to the... (laughs) Everybody, if you could see Isaac's face right now, he's like, what are you talking about? Oh, you know, I can just relate to that so much. (laughs) Like just, uh, you know, on a day-to-day, it's just a struggle. It's every day is a party. We... we, (laughs) We have a lot of privilege, not going to lie. And I would go out at night on any given, what is it, Thursday or Friday, be at these parties where Puffy's there with Jay-Z and Janet and whoever else. I don't know, Bradley Cooper. Oh, I also hung out loads with Leonardo DiCaprio. No way. Yeah, he doesn't talk much. That's but, funny. So I'm sure every girl that listens to this is going to be wondering if since you met Jay-Z, if you ever met Beyonce. I'm sure I've been in the same room with her. I've never chatted with her. I've chatted with J-Lo. Okay. You know what? I'm going to tell you something that I told some kids not long ago. They're like, oh, what celebrities have you met? <laughs> tell me about them. Are they so cool? I'm like, yeah, okay. You I need to remind you guys, these people are people. Mm-hmm. They're people. They're, they're, they are really like you, but they even have more problems. Well, yeah, going, going back to what you were saying about your perspective shift and, and how much different your life was trying to dumb down your experiences to fit in. It's not realistic. That kind of life is not realistic. You can't, you can't live in that bubble in that world for long and when you come down from being on some crazy high you know of whatever that's fame or or success it's like it's it's kind of like a drug you Hmm. know what i mean when you're weaning off of something that is your all your success your 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 image is all and if anything pops that bubble even for a minute it's like your whole life shatters so imagine living that all day long and then living that in the public um so when people speak badly of celebrities and such i i've met these people firsthand they are just like you and me but they're they have even more problems because people are poking at them Hmm. and they have this massive lens on every fault that they're making imagine if for the past week all the sin we've we we have is highlighted for the world to see 
Yeah, I'd hate that. That would, that would suck, right? Yeah. Um, so I told these kids, yeah, okay, these people are cool, but you know who the, who the coolest person is for me? It is really Jesus. Let's this go. Historical person who is probably um, the modern day, who is Jesus? He's like the modern day, I don't know, give this me a hero. What's the coolest? Superman. Superman. Yeah. Jesus. Superman. Unflawed. So. I'm glad you didn't say me, Christina. <laughs> that would have been a lot of pressure and well, impossible. His image, so. <laughs> All right. So I want to, uh, like, we're going to touch a little bit more on what you're up to now because we talked about your past a bit. But just before we move away from that, because you were touching on. Uh, some of the things you went through during your kind of young young career in in modeling. What are some of the things that you feel God's laid on your heart that you'd love to see change uh, in the modeling industry? And and is that something that um, like I'm not sure how involved you still are, but is that something that um, you feel it, it's kind of a responsibility of yours now to do, or what's the deal there? Yeah, absolutely. So even though I'm shmurdy something, I am still very much modeling. I am a working model. Praise Is God. Is that old for a model? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Usually you're cut so off. So no joke, you probably look about 24. Oh, thank you. Bless you. So I thought you were 24, so that doesn't even matter. Yeah, usually you have an expiration date. Um, and that's when you're starting, when you hit your mid twenties, you start to expire. <laughs> That's going to be tough. If, if your whole identity is built up in the fact that you're a model and you're like a quarter way through life <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah. like if you're 24, 25 and that's when your modeling career is expiring and your identity is in that and it's not rooted in Christ, that's got to be drastic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going through that. I went through that. I started to have some serious moments of, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? What's next? How do I maintain my youth? What do I do? Wow. And God is God. God God has breathed life into my career. God has kept me looking the way I do. <laughs> you know, obviously I, I have to do my part, but more than anything, I know it's his grace. It's his undeserved favor on my life that I'm breaking barriers on I'm, I'm Asian I'm over the limit so to speak but also clients are changing I think that people are realizing now we kind of have to change our marketing perspective here hmm. who are we selling this stuff to um, but it's still very much a challenge you know you you're you are placed in these age brackets can you fit into this mold? Can you fit into this unrealistic persona that each client has for you? So I even prayed this this morning. I said, God, help me to be part of that change to break down these barriers of being an ethnic model and being a bit older, but still looking super young. And even if I don't look super young, like, you know what I mean? Who cares? So yeah. just kind of co-creating with him to 
start a new wave of of beautiful a new wave of beautiful what is beautiful and i know that he's called me as an influencer in the fashion food and film industry but uh but specifically i would love to be part of the pioneers to change the modeling game in this perspective and to remind girls young girls who are starting out this is not your whole identity that's good and and usually uh the one the one neat opportunity there is i, I feel like modeling is the type of thing where it's very easy to put your identity in that and and that's what people will tell you you are and that's how they'll see you so uh i feel like that's also a really good opportunity when the light does switch and all of a sudden you realize how not in control you are and and how that's not the only part of you that's such an opportunity for god to show up so that's really really neat that uh he's using you in that way there uh you just brought up the fact that you kind of see yourself going towards this modeling, uh, food and fashion industry. I think you said, and that's something I want to, what, what were, what were the three there? Fashion, food and film, fashion, food and film. Yeah. So let's get into the food now. Cause I know that was your, your next step after modeling, right? Food came after that. Yeah. Uh, I had no plans of this. Okay. <laughs> Explain that then and, and how this all came to be. Well, rewind a little bit. When I had that moment of, oh my gosh, I need to do something else. What's my plan B? I need to fall back on something, pick something up. That was real estate. So I had my real estate license once upon okay. a time. <laughs> and, uh, Were you good at it? Like, was was that something that you were actually good at or was it just uh it was just a time filler like what was the deal no my goal was to make millions and i okay. said I said to myself huh i really like architecture I, I love interior design what can i do i can make millions by selling million dollar homes <laughs> but anyway it didn't last long i was in it for all of a few months after i graduated because my father passed away and mm. then I decided to move to New York. I was like, what was my dad's, my dad's dream was for me to succeed in whatever I was doing, right? And so, okay, let's go for a supermodel stardom here. And so I went to New York. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be at the top of my career. I'm going to, I'm just going to make it like I, like I never have before. And so moved to New York after my dad passed away. And, and then that's when I remembered, oh my gosh, he wanted to open a restaurant. Hmm. So I want to carry on his legacy. I'm the only child. How do I do this? I need to learn how to cook. Let's learn how to cook. How much does cooking school cost? It's too much money. What's the what's my other option? <laughs> how about I start knocking on some doors? So I knocked on some doors. I asked some friends. Some people laughed in my face. Some people thought I was crazy. Other people said, go, go ahead. Sounds great. This is before the whole rock star food network craze okay. and I, I found one friend that that took me seriously introduced me to one of the owners of a top restaurant had again god's grace on my life living in blown out sin but god loved me regardless 
and met with this owner. He introduced me to the chef. The chef invited me to hang out in the restaurant. I kept on showing up every day after modeling for two weeks, had no idea what I was doing. Greener than green, like literally had no idea how to hold a knife. People would bark things at me. They're like, <laughs> get, get a nine pan, you know, go grab the artichokes. I'm like, what? I don't know what I'm doing. But, uh, but the chef saw something in me and he said to me, after two weeks, two weeks, Isaac, he said, I see you have natural talent. If you commit tomorrow, I will hire you and I will pay you like the other line cooks. Wow, let's go. Probably I've shared that with the whole world. But anyway, I said, <laughs> I'm in. All I, those I, line cooks are probably not going to be listening to this. I can almost guarantee you. Uh, so you got nothing to worry about. Okay. So, uh, so I said, Actually, I'm hopefully, let's, let's pray that they do listen to this. Yes, let's hope they do. Um, yeah, so there you go. I said I'm in, and I started working full-time. Didn't tell my modeling agency. Tried not to tell them. Then I started interfering with work, and I stopped modeling for three years. I was cooking seven days a week. I couldn't get enough. Okay, so it was inspired by your dad's passing away. One thing I find super interesting about you, Christina, is I find that there's two. I think that this is a scenario where it break it breaks into two categories when when we talk about groups of people. So when someone goes through a tragedy like that or or something dramatic in their life, from what I've seen, uh, some people. I mean, it's so important to take time to reflect and spend time with the Lord and and. Uh, really get a grasp for for what had just happened and appreciate uh, what you're going through. But at the same time, I find that there's some people that stay in that way of thinking, and and that's how that all of a sudden becomes part of them and and who they live. And it's it's not always for the better. But then there's people that go into the category that you went into, which is this was something that happened to me. This is a part of my story, and and this is how God's going to use it, and this is what I'm actually going to like going on the offense instead of defense, I guess is a very easy way to explain it. Right. So um, that's something that I think is really, really cool about you that I've, I've been hearing this whole time is you're always somebody to go straight on the offense uh, rather than taking a defensive point of view, but along the way, like reflecting and using wisdom to kind of, you're not just like going guns a blazing into things. Like it's, it's very intentional and, and, and that type of thing. So that's something cool. And that's just a point I wanted to make that I've been seeing lately is uh, just when tragedy strikes, like figure out how God can use that thing uh, as, as sad as it is. And I know that that might sound weird and I hope that doesn't sound harsh to some people, but um, I, I, I don't know. It's evident in your story for sure. Yeah. I, during that period before my dad died again, I was ignorant to the fact that I had one foot in the world and one foot in in the kingdom. And then after he passed away, I was never angry at God. I never blamed God, but I was angry, angry at the world, angry at the doctors that couldn't save him, angry at just angry. And, and so my life, uh, my life at that moment in New York, was a life of sin like I was just living to 
to please my own desires and and in my anger through through the bible out the window so to speak hmm. but was never angry at god got you and and i said earlier like while i was living in sin while i was in the wilderness god loved me anyway god opened the door for me i know that any good thing in my life anything good any good action comes from him i don't deserve any of it so the fact that god did that for me and i'm not talking about any dinky restaurants here i was working in fine dining michelin restaurants hmm. like the oscars of restaurants that's not me that's god's favor on my life hmm even while I was living in sin, because he knew what he created me for. I just needed to agree with that. I just needed to be intentional with, with that. And it took me a while to get there. And I got there by finally um, really getting to the end of myself when I got into an even deeper hole after that. So this story can go on for years. This podcast can just go on and on. <laughs> well, but you know it, what? It's, 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 that's even a scenario of, I, I see in my own life when I've strayed and, and gone through seasons where again, like I just have not uh, taken God's word as, as seriously and respected it and, and had that fear of him that I should have. Like your example is another one where it's so obvious that God is, so the shepherd of our lives, right? Like uh, I find that a lot of the the people I speak to like this, even when they wander and even when they're not trying to please God, uh, there's still this hedge of protection around them. And he's still, uh, I don't know. He'll, he, he rarely, I don't, I don't think I've heard a story yet where somebody's actually able to jump off that cliff and go so far away that he doesn't have control to, yeah. to bring them back. And of course he has control to bring you back at any time, but I just, I don't know. I picture the shepherd again and you're just kind of out there in like the open part of the field. <laughs> and as soon as you get a little bit too far away, he just kind of yoinks you back and, and brings you back to the flock. Right. But he's always kind of got an eye on you. He can see you. Yeah, um, totally. That's I, cool. Yeah. You hit it on the nose. I, I know that I could have, I could have died several times over. I know I'm being vague. Well, maybe we'll get into this one day, but God has saved me from death several times. Wow. Yeah. And so now you're getting, we'll get into the filmmaking a little bit. So you got really good at modeling. You got really good at cooking. <laughs> and now you're trying to get really good at filmmaking. Right. Uh, which I saw a promo of yours the other day that you were pitching to me and the rest of the castle team. And it seems like you're getting pretty good at that already. Uh, what, what's the deal there and how did that come up? Yeah, it all makes sense in my head. <laughs> no, it, I like, it, it's very interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like first things, I don't know. It, it makes It makes sense. The journey you've taken to get to this point makes a lot of sense. Really? Well, thank you. Yeah. To get you to write my biography. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or people can just listen to this podcast. Yeah, or that. Because I hear so much. I, I hear this all the time. 
you're a model and a chef that that doesn't go that doesn't or on the flip i hear oh yeah i can see that but anyway so okay so so here's a question for you actually before we jump into filmmaking then just because you sparked it um one thing that i like I've, i've learned to deal with this a little bit more lately and it it just comes down to the fact that i've made conscious decisions to to simplify my life but uh like for you how do you compartmentalize all these things in your mind like when somebody asks christina i I remember it used to drive me bananas like now i have things going on where it's like i'm working with crossroads on castle and i'm a consultant for these brands and that type of thing but before when i was just doing these entrepreneurial things like the worst thing in the world was if somebody asked me what I do for a living. And I remember like mentally that just took such a toll on me, like not even like knowing how to explain that or not even knowing myself. Uh, how, how do you deal with that? And, and it seems like you have a very, you're very organized and, and you're clear on your mission and your vision and, and, uh, I know that your identity is in Christ and none of these things. So that ultimately helps. But, but how do you just on a basic level deal with all those things? Yeah. Good question. And yes, I was going through a period where people would drive me crazy with what do you do? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I said to myself, I should just tell people I work at McDonald's or something. <laughs> Make it really easy. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. God wired me this way. It it makes sense to me. One day I'm modeling. One day I've got castings. I'll give you an example. When I was living in London, England, again, God's grace, I, modeling is not an everyday thing. So I'd model when I needed to model. And then I was working at the top restaurant in London for three days a week. Um, it It flows one into the other. Like I, for me, it's all co-creating with God. When I'm modeling, we're co-creating and making these images. When I'm cooking, you're co-creating with God and making beautiful food and feeding people. In everything that I, in everything that I do, it's very people related, like service industry. It's about people. And I think I can switch gears so easily because I love everything that I do. I am so blessed and grateful that I have chosen what I want to do. I've chosen this path, so to speak. I love what I do as a model. I love cooking. I I love now filmmaking. I enjoy life. I never understood when people say they want to retire. I'm like, retire from mm. what? Yeah. A, yeah. And I get it. Sometimes, you know, people are stuck in jobs that they don't want to do. But there's another way. You can find what you love. And if you you work hard enough, I've paid, I've done my due diligence in all fields. And uh, if, if you work hard at it, more importantly, when you've got God in it, he's got you. So I have different hats. Yes, it all makes sense to me. Um, and I am a go with the flow type person. I can adapt quickly. So I think if you have that personality, this kind of entrepreneur life 
works. Um, am I answering your question? No, definitely. Okay. But, uh, but I hear you. What do you do? And my friend broke it down for me very well. He was trying to describe me to his new bride. And she said, what, what does your friend do? And he said, well, she does a little bit of modeling, a little bit of chefing, a little bit of politics, you know, a little bit of everything. I forgot about the politics. Right. But, it, but <laughs> yeah. did you know I was actually in politics a little bit? You That's told funny. me. Yeah. yeah. Like a couple of years ago. That didn't last very long. You like it. You enjoy it. I like that God has given me a voice wherever I step. Hmm. I, I can see the Esther calling on my life come to fruition. Hmm. And uh, it's pretty amazing and it's pretty mind blowing. And I often think, why me? Like, I don't deserve this. But so do I actually like politics per se? No. Do I love that God has called kingdom people to shape it and influence it and lead the charge? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, a, that's probably the best answer you could have given. <laughs> I should probably get back in politics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then on that note, uh, now, now we go on to the final thing we'll, we'll talk about. And that's the thing that I first knew you for actually was your filmmaking. And uh, I mean, to me, the reason why I said before it makes a lot of sense is because to me, what you're doing is uh, the filmmaking is not necessarily interfering with anything else in your life. It seems like all the other areas of your life, the filmmaking is just documenting that. Uh based on the projects that you've been working on. So on that note, why don't you explain uh, like some of the things you're working on when it comes to the filmmaking and maybe talk a little bit about the team that you found God's brought into your life now and, and touch on some of that. Yeah. Uh, about eight months ago, God dropped this vision for the docu-series that we're doing now, I'm going to rewind and tell you that growing up, my hero was Martha Stewart. I know that's okay. it. God bless her. <laughs> I want was be... it because she went to jail? <laughs> no. I, she had an empire. She did an your, empire. Uh, how did that affect the way that you looked up to her when that happened? Or did it? Uh, how, yeah. Cause you would have been young, younger when that happened. Yeah. Uh, what did I, well, my hero changed from Martha to Jesus at one point. So I didn't, think, <laughs> nice. I didn't, I didn't think, you know much. what? Okay. I can see why you're good at politics because you're coming out with all the right answers. Um, but yeah, I wanted to be the Asian version of Martha Stewart. I was okay. like, woman has an empire. She's got a magazine. She's on TV. She's, She's, you know, she's designing blankets and food items and this and that. And I wanted my own food show. So for the longest time, my dream was to be on Food Network. But that shifted when I realized 
these food shows are turning into game shows. Hmm. And, and anyway, so I came back home to Toronto about eight months ago. God gave me this vision for this docuseries while I was at my neighbor's house having tea. And I realized that food is about people and families and bringing communities together. And that is why I love to cook because it draws people together. It brings people to my home, brings them to my table. And that's what the docuseries is about. Uh, God, again, miracle after miracle, brought people into my life that are skilled and experienced and visionaries. And without them, I, I wouldn't be here. Um, I have... I have about six, seven people who are part of the key team, most believers, some not yet, but spiritually open, that have integral parts in this process. And I was telling you earlier that I was praying for finances when I first started this. I said, God, give me like, you know, I don't know, $50,000 so I can go about this. And I didn't realize that what I really needed were people. And so as I'm doing this, as we're doing this docuseries about families, we've created family within the team. We're getting to know each other. We're, we've got challenges and we, you know, we're, we're butting heads sometimes, but it's family happening while we're shooting families. Hmm. So food is the vehicle, but it's about families and bringing them together and reminding people that it is so important to have community. Yeah. No, that's good. That's, uh, yeah. Can you, can you say the name of the show or, or anything like that? Or you're trying to keep that on the down low? Let's keep it on the DL so we can surprise people one day. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I'll uh, I'll make sure I post and let people know when that's on the Food Network. <laughs> You're funny. So, what I find uh, interesting is like, and and I'm pretty sure, like major, I'm pretty sure everybody who I've had on this podcast, at least, I didn't even try to necessarily uh, do it this way, but they've all seemed to be entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial thinkers um, whether they're building their own business or ministry or uh, they're consulting with with brands and that type of thing these are people who are just very much living outside of that nine to five grind the classic 2018 uh, like every everybody's trying to somehow work differently than our parents did and and people before that so from your perspective and from a Christian and a kingdom perspective, uh, what does entrepreneurship look like to you and, and how does that differ when your identity is rooted in Christ? Like, um, well, well, first of all, maybe, maybe uh, what is entre- entrepreneurship to you? What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? Creating something out of nothing. Hmm. You know what's hilarious about that word is every person I ask that says something different. And I'm sure that there's like an actual definition out there for it. But every person I ask, it's actually different. Huh. I know that, you know, it stems from the French word and it's 
being heavily invested in something very risky that you、mm. take on yourself. I do know that that's the definition. But entrepreneurship for me is co-creating with God for His glory to expand His kingdom.、Hmm. And explain explain that co-creation process a little bit, like.、Um... Yeah. So my relationship with Holy Spirit has grown a lot. In the past year, and Holy Spirit is our CEO. He's our counselor. He's our accountant, our bookkeeper. I talk to him, and I look for that still voice to guide me along the way.、Um, co-creating with God is reminding myself that when genius things pop into my mind, it's not me. <laughs> it's it's Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and that alleviates and, the pressure too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've learned a lot in this entrepreneurship game. I've learned to slow down. I've learned to、uh, to to have mentorship and wise counsel as、uh, as some of the key. Yeah, the key, the key things that you need—it's just a staple. You need that.、Hmm. I've learned that in the end of the day, it's about winning souls. Yeah, it's about winning souls, and it's about representing Jesus well. Whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, you can forget. Like I can get in, you know, you can get in business mode. You're doing、yeah. something, Brian, and you forget. I'm here to represent Jesus. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, for sure. It it's uh. That is one of the biggest internal tensions I deal with on a on a day to day too. Is that tension of like, like, am I looking at this business like ministry? Like, because you always hear like a lot of people who I ask that question to would say, "Well, I just look at my business as a ministry, right?" Which is good, and that's a solid answer. Uh, but again, like for me, as soon as you start digging in deep, and and you're just like, and and that's actually what I used to say as well. But as soon as I'd start digging in deep and and asking the questions and asking myself those questions, you realize like, but how are you actually using that business as a ministry? And you get like classic responses like, well, I'm creating resources, I'm investing back in the kingdom, and like that's a good one, and that's a very needed thing, and God can use that. Uh, but like to your point before, like it's even just reminding me like your resources didn't come in the form of uh finances, which is how most people would look at that when they're answering. Like, it's a very uh. It's a very easy thing to say. Oh yeah, I'm gonna let God use my business to make me rich to invest in other people.、Yeah. But if that doesn't work out, how content would you actually be, right? Yeah. So yeah. no, you're you're getting my.、Uh, this is good. You're getting my wheels turning、uh, quite a bit here. Oh yay! Go team. <laughs> yeah. But、uh, but on that note, I think we do have to to wrap this up, Christina. Like, oh, is, there, is there one last Thing you'd like to say to everyone, or is there something that 
kind of didn't come up during that convo or something that you had wanted to say that maybe I cut you off or something like that? Like what, what do you just want to get across as your final note? Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being a pioneer. Thank you for seeing good things in other people and then wanting to share it with the world. You know what I mean? A lot of us mm. think, think about the things that we can do, but don't actually do it. So good on you for stepping out there and doing something as cool as this and then giving us by us, I mean other kingdom entrepreneurs, a space to speak and share. I think I want to say that we need more of this in life. Mm. We need more, we need more kingdom people to know each other, to connect, to do life, to, to do life together and to support each other. But I mean like in tangible ways, like we're doing right now. Yeah. One thing, oh yeah, you're great. I'll pray for you. Go do your thing. And then there's one thing to come alongside other brothers and sisters and support their movement to show up to, to promote their movement. And we need that. We need that because it is one of those us against the world type thing. It really is. Mm. So if you look at other entrepreneurs who are, who have these massive movements how did they get there? Yeah. They're intentional with it. So we need to step up our game. Like we need to find each other. And I know Holy Spirit is doing that. Hence why we've met. So when we found each other, we need to really be intentional to stay connected and to get out there, find other entrepreneurs, and then build this massive global network where we can all advance the kingdom together because this is not a solo thing. Yeah. This is really an army movement and we need more soldiers. It's funny you say that. I was just uh, listening to this guy go off on a rant on Instagram. And uh, I was thinking about this. And this guy isn't a, a Christian guy or kingdom-minded guy, but he was thinking of this from a sales perspective. And what he was saying is he'll literally set aside hours a day just to review all of the newest connections he has and review where he's at in that relationship and proactively do what he can to think up what he could reach out to that person with that would move that relationship deeper and that connection deeper. And eventually, like he's thinking from a sales perspective, maybe they'll pull the trigger on whatever service I have to offer them. But I mean, if we're thinking from a kingdom perspective, kingdoms built on relationships, right? And I think, uh, I think it's not just, uh, yeah, I think like the Holy Spirit's going to do it no matter what, but I think that there's a lot of uh, effort it takes on our behalf. It, it takes it takes effort to make meaningful connections and, and go deeper with people and to actually want to. There's a lot of people that, uh, that I know that aren't even interested in necessarily getting to know people better, but they force themselves to anyways, and the Lord always uses that. So I think that's a really good point you made there and a great way to end it. Um. On that note, guys, thanks so much for, for tuning in and listening. I will let you add quickly, Christina, where they can find you uh, if they're interested in, in following along on your journey or, or updates and that type of thing. Where can they find you? Yeah, please. I love to stay connected with people through Instagram. So it's at 
Christina with an H, so C H R I S T I N A T T H E. That's double T H E. And the, the middle T is for my middle name, which is Theodora, and it means gift of God. FYI. <laughs> hey, that's good. You are a gift from God. So, how do you actually pronounce your your last name? I uh, I was gonna try to pull it off in the in the intro, and then I was like, I don't want to butcher this. So, how do you actually pronounce your last name? Oh, it's really easy. Tay. Okay. So Tay. Cafe Tay. So it's T A E accent aigu. Easy. Easy. Easy peasy. Easy. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to uh, to stay on the lookout for the next one. I'm uh, really enjoying interviewing these awesome entrepreneurs and these kingdom-minded people and these creatives. Uh, and yeah, just uh, I hope that you learned something and that, that maybe the Lord laid something on your heart today. And if he did and you feel like reaching out, then for sure, send us a DM on Instagram, send us an email, and uh, just let you know, just let us know uh, maybe give an encouraging word of, of something that you learned today, or if there's something that you feel we could do better to make the experience better, let us know as well. And I just want to make that point because I haven't before. Um, so yeah, guys, thanks for joining us, Christina. And remember everyone listening, you are loved. God bless. Amen.